Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollas, and you have tuned into Pop to Chat Talking Dance, where I share my thoughts and experiences as a professional dancer, choreographer, and instructor with over 13 years of experience working in the dance world. In today's episode, I want to discuss something that not only dancers can relate to, but really any person who is in the process of seeking work or negotiating a contract uh, can, can relate to. Of course, I relate to the world through my experiences in dance, so we're going to look at it from that perspective. Dancing for a full-time company is a great gig, but it can really leave one lacking maturity when it comes to self-determining one's value. Most company dancers pay into a union from the first day that they step into the studio, uh, and that union denotes their rank, their seniority, and pay. Uh, and if, if they aren't a part of a union, they often are at least given a predetermined contract. When I danced at uh, Pacific Northwest Ballet, we were a member of the American Guild of Musical Artists, which we often referred to as AGMA. And uh, for three seasons with uh, that company, I was actually a union representative. So I have a lot of experience with negotiating contracts uh, on a, a larger scale. Um, the union often takes on the challenging and uncomfortable responsibility of negotiating factors and determining what the value of a dancer is. As a dancer, your choice is clear-cut. Do you accept the pay and the rank that is offered to you? Uh, it's a simple yes or no answer. For instance, when I joined Pacific Northwest Ballet, I already knew that I would be a quarter ballet dancer with zero years of seniority, and I would make $939 each week for a period of 40 weeks. For those of you who haven't had a chance to look at my blog, uh, Life of a Freelance Dancer, I left the glorious world of a big ballet company nearly five years ago, and soon thereafter, I started guiding my own career, finding my own work, and negotiating contracts completely on my own. As a freelancer, I have rarely been offered the luxury of a pre-negotiated contract. Instead, I've had to negotiate my worth and salary on a regular basis. So, how does one determine their asking price for a job, often considered the marker of how much value one brings to an organization? Let's start here. We need to approach this question from back to front. How does one determine their value? This is a pretty difficult question. Um, dancers are trained from a young age to keep their mouths shut and their egos very humble, at least verbally. <laughs> uh, one could look at many factors in their career to determine their worth. Um, how many years have you danced professionally? What companies have you danced for? Or how diverse is your experience? Uh, what repertoire have you danced? Uh, unfortunately, there is the question, are you female or are you male? Um, and I don't really think that that's how things should be, but the dance world, it's really a commodity-based, uh, there's, uh, it's, it's a commodity-based reality of, of the dance world. Um, so while these are great questions to ask oneself prior to entering uh, the freelance world, uh, the truth of the matter is that you don't get to determine your value. You only get to influence the perception of your value onto those people that are hiring you.
Each dancer's true value is, is fluid, especially as a freelance artist. It is easy to feel that your worth is the same across the board when you dance for a company regularly at a consistent rank, but there are situations that can alter that consistent value as well. For instance, if a new director steps in, your value changes. For instance, uh, I currently live between Philadelphia uh, and New York City, and uh, I have a lot of friends that are dancing in Pennsylvania Ballet, and they've currently been undergoing a transition period while Angel Correa has taken over the company. Um, The company used to be a Balanchine-style company, uh, and a lot of their dancers were trained at the School of American Ballet and other schools that trained Balanchine dancers, and their repertoire was Balanchine. Um, They did classical ballets, but there, there were there was uh, less of that. Um, but then Angel Correa took over the company, and he uh, is from American Ballet Theater. He was a star with the company in New York for many years. Um, and being classical dance being his background, he's really started to infuse the company with a lot more classical training, classical repertoire. Um, that's his taste. So... The dancers that are left from the previous uh, era of that company um, are transitioning into a different uh, way of of having the company run, and there a lot of dancers. Their value has changed. Maybe a younger dancer wasn't getting many opportunities, and all of a sudden they're getting pushed forward. Uh, and maybe a more senior dancer, a principal, or a soloist who uh, would typically be called upon to dance uh, larger principal roles have been uh, unfortunately pushed to the side. Uh, for instance, I just went and saw Pennsylvania Ballet do uh, their production of Don Q. Uh, Don Quixote, we call it Don Q. Um, But uh, it was interesting because I saw a cast with a principal and soloist dancer, but if you looked at the casting for their productions, um, or for the production, the rest of the production, most uh, of the dancers dancing the principal roles were apprentices and first-year corps ballet dancers or even newer corps dancers. Uh, So it's been really interesting to see how different dancers have been moved around that company and how their value has changed as this new director has stepped in. Um, But getting back to what I was saying before, uh, with value being fluid, uh, if you leave a company as a soloist and you choose to join a new one, uh, you may not be asked to join in the same rank. your value, unfortunately, is not fully declared by you or your dancing. Instead, it is determined by the opinions of those who are responsible for hiring, casting, and paying. Only you get to choose if you accept the valuation that is given to you. Now that you've decided to find work outside of a negotiated company contract, you are forced to come to grips with the fact that your value is not a simple concrete determination. Still, you have to decide what you consider your lowest value to be. I'd like to say that your highest value should be the marker to pay more attention to, but in our underfunded dance world, it is more important to have a base integrity value. This is the marker that will determine whether you are willing to accept a job or not. Uh, Back in 2012, when I really started to take a lot of freelance work. I thought that my base value was in line with my negotiated weekly rate that I received while dancing with Pacific Northwest Ballet. 
Um, unfortunately, I quickly realized that my cushy big company paycheck was not my lowest asking price for most of my gigs. While I had a lot of great experience on my resume, I learned that my original base rate needed to be the minimum wage I had to make in order to cover my monthly bills. I knew that I couldn't work a job that didn't cover these costs out of pure practicality. Um, I do know some dancers that are lucky enough that they can still rely on uh, family members or even spouses to help them uh, really live out their dreams and take whatever work comes their way. But that's that's not how it is for most people and people like me who uh, support themselves. Uh, unless I had a cushion of money from a feast period of work, I really couldn't accept work that met this minimum, even if there was a choreographer that I really wanted to work for, or if this particular job would really uh, boost my, my resume. Although, if it would, if it would benefit me more, I, I would try my best to, to make it work, but for the most part, I, I would have to turn down work. Um... While I didn't ever ask for my baseline rate of pay, I knew that I would only consider work that I could negotiate to that rate or higher. It took me a period of time to increase my value in the eyes and mind of future employers. A great deal of that bettered perception and value, surprisingly, didn't come from the additional experience I was getting as a freelance artist. The experience was there. Instead, my value spiked the more popular uh, my blog became. As I grew a following on that platform and began to have a greater social media presence, employers started seeing me as a more experienced and trusted commodity. All of a sudden, I went from a dancer who was quietly accruing achievements and experience to somebody that could be seen visibly as valuable and trustworthy in my work and credentials. Essentially, my value increased in the opinion of others. I also found that people felt like they knew me more because they would hear my thoughts and essentially they it was almost like they were talking to a friend and they, they felt that they could trust trust my product. Once I began to get more exposure as a freelancer, I was able to bring my base value up to a higher rate than my original minimum to pay the, my bills rate. While my rate had improved greatly over time, there were a few experiences where I had to rely on my base wage during uh, more famine periods. While this became less common, there were still a few gigs each year that I would take at my lower rate. I did this for multiple reasons that ranged from uh, really wanting to dance uh, and or work with a, a specific choreographer um, to, at times, just wanting to be working because it is always better to be <laughs> working than sitting around looking for better work. Uh, so as you can see, my value became fluid dependent on the time period, workload, and experience offered by dancing with the company. An additional item to note when considering your value, uh, determinations may also depend on the financial state of a company. If one company has a smaller budget than another, their lower monetary offering may actually hold the same bearing as another company with better fiscal options. For instance, uh, while one company may pay you $800 per week to dance with them, you may not be their highest valued dancer. 
But if another company offers $500 per week, you might actually be the highest paid dancer and the most valued dancer. All organizations are not created equal. For instance, when I danced with the now defunct Alaska Dance Theater, I was the highest paid artist at $530 a week. They made sure that I was aware of that. <laughs> uh, while it was far below my minimum asking price, uh, I knew that they were doing all that they could to give me the highest value that they had available to offer. And because we had a really good working relationship, they also uh, offered me a couple classes to teach in their school so that it could supplement my salary and, and bring my base up to my minimum to survive and pay my bills. Now that you have a gauge to determine your value, you can go into negotiating pay from a few angles. I prefer to let the hiring organization make their own offer of payment, and my reason for this is because I like to have an idea of what the organization has to work with. If I go into a negotiation asking way too high, it may turn the organization off from wanting to work with me. But if I go into the negotiation asking way below what the company was considering, it hurts my bottom line. It's not so much that I'm losing value, Instead, uh, being able to create a cushion of cash flow helps me pay my self-employment taxes at the end of the year uh, to pay off any debts that have accrued during my famine periods. And it just keeps me more inspired to continue working uh, because dancing in the freelance world is its very difficult. Um, I might even be able to take a vacation, I've, and I've rarely taken vacations since I started freelancing nearly five years ago. While some organizations immediately offer financial considerations, I found that administrators who are in charge of offering a rate are often just as uncomfortable as dancers in talking money. It has been common to have employers ask me to tell them my fees because they didn't want to do it themselves. If I have had to do this, I've come to learn that it's best to let the organization know that my fees are negotiable from the start. Uh, this lets the company know that I am willing to work with them on finding a pay scale that works best for both of us. So as you can see, it is important to approach a freelancing lifestyle with a sense of fluidity. Um, Many of us feel worthwhile and confident because of our own perception of our value. And I continue to encourage dancers to feel this way. But freelancers can't approach negotiating work purely based on their own idea of their value. One must be willing to judge their financial value separate from their own perceived value. Attaching your worth to the height of your paycheck will do nothing but affect your ability to enjoy the work that you're doing. Thanks for taking the time to grab a cup of coffee and sit down to talk dance with me. I hope that you have found this episode of Pod to Chat helpful in determining your own self-value. If you are enjoying our chats, please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and on your social media channels. Also, be sure to take a moment to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, and my YouTube channels, which will all be listed down below. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to go out and support your local dance scene.